0: Welcome to Deleted Saves, on this episode, Final Fantasy VII Remake plus Integrate on PS4. Long-time listeners may be wondering right now if I'm repeating myself. Yes, I've already covered the PS1 Final Fantasy VII some time ago, but enough time has passed between that original and this long rumored remake. Over 20 years, in fact. Funny how time passes like that. So why am i covering this one if you're listening to this opening then you must be at least a bit curious about it so let's get into 2020's final fantasy 7 remake including the intergrade dlc when i reviewed the first game i remarked on how for its time in the series it was such a shift in what had come before it usually western medieval fantasy seen through a unique japanese lens now the world was a diesel punk fantasy set against a plot centering around environmental destruction. The lies we tell ourselves about ourselves to others. And, of course, one misguided man's attempt to right the wrongs done to him by an impersonal and callous megalithic corporation who only saw him as a weapon of war. And then there was Sephiroth. All jokes aside, yeah, we couldn't get away with a a long-haired pretty boy with a giant sword being a bad guy. Or a good guy using a flimsy excuse to be total shits. As those tropes are so ingrained in pop culture on both sides of the Pacific at this point, that just saying a character's name, even to those who have never played the game or seen the media before, that those people instantly know who the character is and what they are about. And yeah, Final Fantasy VII has all the character tropes too. The bad men. The gruff, silent, cranky protagonist. The black exploitation character the wise child, the good girl with the heart of gold and a head full of air, the other good girl with a heart of gold and a bra full of jiggle, the annoying kid, the useless joke character, the quote-unquote old man at the age of 35, and the vampire emo lad with darkness in his past and his heart. Final Fantasy VII also suffered from a lot of pointless minigames and other useless shit that made it go on too long, side plots that kind of go nowhere, and, of course, a god-awful level grinding to make sure that you could be strong enough to get past the various bosses that gated progress. But that was also a lot of RPGs in 1997, when the original game came out. Not all, but a lot. Especially when RPGs were considered a niche product of gaming, and the most familiar ones were RPGs from Japan. And most of the rest were locked on even more niche personal computers, like the Ultima series or the SSI Dungeons and Dragons titles, when PC players weren't using the Doom shareware. But despite all of that, Final Fantasy VII was a landmark title. A -a once-in-a-generation title that brought in way more players than ever before. Especially due to Square, the company who created it, heavily marketing it here in the U.S. I'm not saying all those new players stayed once they found out it wasn't a mindless action game. But the press and the sales sort of spoke for themselves. It was also a good overall game, spread across three discs on the PS1, something almost unheard of in 1997. And believe me, we all judged how good a game would be based on how many discs it came with. Two whole discs? Wow, this game is going to take forever to finish. It's awesome, we said of a 15-hour experience. There are a lot of good lessons to be learned, too, about friendship, and fuck you if you think that's a silly idea, and protecting the only planet and home we will ever have against the greedy and the exploitative. Even though 20 plus years on it has been made very clear that we failed to learn that lesson, aren't particularly interested in doing anything about it of any real substance or action, and will die by our own hand as a species within the next century. But it was fun while it lasted, I suppose. But when it was found out, this grand dame of the gaming world was getting a remake. As in a full modern update with all the graphics bells and whistles, full voice acting and the like, people lost their shit. Would it be faithful? What would change, as so many things had in 20 years? What would the kids born after 1997 and playing it for the first time think? What would Square do, as this was no longer the Square of old, but the Square Enix of now? And when the remake debuted in the world, Mid-COVID pandemic in 2020, when we were all stuck inside with nothing to do, and wondering if the apocalypse was upon us, people lost their shit even more, both good and bad. Aside from the graphics updates that made the dieselpunk city of Midgar look like the grimy underbelly of any major modern world capital city, and made all the main characters look like GQ and Sports Illustrated cover models, not much changed except it was more action-focused to fit with modern action RPGs, as opposed to the old turn-based style of waiting between actions, which instantly caused some of the gaming sphere to start flipping their digital feces like rabid baboons. It was made clearly fairly quickly that this was yet an incomplete remake, meant to only cover the beginning of the game up to where the party leaves the city of Midgar, so about the first 10 or 15 hours of the original game. Oh, Square Enix! How dare you betray us? We, the real gamers, who had supported you and licked your supple assholes for decades, waiting for your digital bukkake by not painstakingly recreating every flaccid part of our imagination for full release. Go fuck yourself, real gamers! You know damn well the age of microtransactions, paywall DLC, always online, and perpetual revenue streaming gaming—that you had to see something like this coming especially when tastes changed, and those kids born after 1997 and playing games now couldn't get one shit less about what you knew before. And as I said, this is not the square of old. The original game was directed by one Yoshinoro Kitase, who helmed the Final Fantasy series in the sixth game in the series through the tenth game, as well as Chrono Trigger. And many of those games are held up on pedestals among gamers as some of the greatest titles of a sort of silver age of RPGs on consoles. However, of course, Katase moved up in the company that took him out of development and out of producing, and someone had to take the lead. Eventually, that lead would fall to Tetsuya Nomura, who had worked on the series since the sixth game, but more famously co-creating and spearheading the Kingdom Hearts series and the spin-off Final Fantasy Admin Children, which, while they have many fans, the fanbase is not as welcome in the gaming fandom as they would like, or we would think, and which pushed a lot of Square Enix resources towards more action-focused title of their RPGs, which pushed a lot of the old diehards out, and perhaps good riddance to them. The old grognards, tabletop term for guys who play too long and hate change or new players, tend to make gaming miserable when they don't know how to shut up. Also, all of this means that Nomura felt the game would be better broken up. I'm sure monetary gains being part of the reason. But also, not to fatigue the player base in a new world where trying to keep players focused for a long time is difficult. Plus, this allowed him to come up with some new changes to the game. So much like the first game, we meet Avalanche eco-terrorists trying to stop the Shinra corporation that controls the world's energy and is now the de facto largest political entity in the world and who intends to burn the planet they seek for a mythical promised land of the ancients where there will always be plenty and no one ever has to want especially when it can be exploited indefinitely. They hire a mercenary named Cloud who is rude and gruff but helps them blow up a reactor. We along the way meet Barret the leader Tifa, the martial artist Murner and childhood friend of Cloud, Aerith the Flower Girl, last descendant of these ancients, and towards the end Red Thirteen, last of his own race of sentient wolf-lion people, who is wise beyond his years. However, we see expanded stories of a lot of side characters that were only glossed over and disposed of quickly in the original game. There are much more expanded events and quests, like the expanded trip through the train graveyard of Midgar, with a new bike chase and on-motorcycle battle with a new sub-boss while on the way to destroy a Shinra Arms Depot. A run through the subway system and almost across the inner workings of the plates of Midgard separate the halves from the have-nots. New enemies and revamped old enemies, all interacted with through real-time action combat, where you can switch on the fly to the rest of your three party members. So quite modern and very Kingdom Hearts in application which may f- many felt was another black mark against it. However, there are three major changes that caused a lot of controversy. First, we meet the most overblown enemy in all of gaming, white-haired pretty man Sephiroth and his giant Katana very early. And we get the subtle idea that this Sephiroth is in fact the exact same one from the original game. What do I mean by that? Well, the cloud we play and meet in 2020's Final Fantasy VII is not the same as the original. Nor is Barrett, Tifa, or anyone else. But Sephiroth is. He is fully aware of how the original game ended, meaning he failed, and he's trying to change the ending of this game. The same with Aerith. Despite her arid-headedness, we get the idea she also knows what happened to her 20 years before, and needs to let things play out the exact same way to keep the balance of the fabric of reality. Second, there are ghosts that attack the party, and the party's enemies, at various points trying to keep them from changing the plot or how events played out, such as hampering the party from saving Sector 7 from getting destroyed, though spoilers for an extremely popular 20-plus-year-old game, and for a game that assumes you played the original, or resurrecting Barrett when Sephiroth kills him late in the game because he did not die in the original. This shit caused diehards to cry tears of wrath and bash their sad little fingers into keyboards across the world, decrying this change in the plot. Finally, after the party breaks out of the Shinra Corporation, and we're getting to the end of the highway after fighting a hunter-killer robot, the last fight of the game is against the gods of fate itself in order to break and kill the pattern of how the original game played out. So the next parts of the game, which we now know at the time of this recording, is two more games, so a trilogy, almost like one story per disc of the original game. Hmm, strange. Can not be something new and fresh with nods to the original. I see there has been an editor's note added here stating that as of the writing, and due to knowledge gained from the carnival of zero fucks given and corporate fuck use, that was the recent summer games fest, that the sequel... Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, will be on two discs instead. Hmm. Makes me wonder if the final game, Final Fantasy Weeaboo Waifu Taint Tickler, or whatever the hell they call it decided, will be on three discs, effectively doubling the size of the original game format. Anyway, I think it is a great idea, and get as mad as you want as Nomura, his boss is still Katase, whose whole job now is to keep the Final Fantasy brand on target and consistent so if he's happy with the remake changes, y'all can go die mad, I guess. But the remake ends with characters from the spin-off titles suddenly appearing, new roles for old friends, and now it is no longer a dieselpunk ecology story, but now a dimension-hopping, fate-defying one as well. I look forward to see where it goes from here. Integrate is the new hotness side story to Final Fantasy VII Remake, starring the annoying kid Yuffie a side character from the original, you didn't need to get to beat the game, and whose story went nowhere. But now she's in Midgard to steal Materia, as a spy for her homeland in the war between Midgard and Wutai, so the battle between traditional and modern Japan. Yuffie is now far more fleshed out, has a Wutai partner, and covers a lot of the same territory as the original party, right up to a significant plot point, where Shinra drops the Sector 7 plate in order to kill Avalanche. But before we get there, Yuffie has to learn not to be so annoying, and that things are far worse than just a war over their homeland, and how to be a bit more selfless. This comes about after watching her partner sacrifice himself to save her from genetically modified bio-freaks first seen in another Final Fantasy 7 spin-off title named Dirge of Cerberus, or at least that's where I saw them, an effort by the Remake team to tie all the various titles together in one cohesive timeline. Yuffie flees Shinra as the plate collapses and vows to avenge everyone who died on Shinra before this little ten-hour side story closes. I'll be very interested to see how they fold her in, as with all the new threads, into the overall narrative going forward as I originally hated this character, but now I have a much more sympathetic view of her and see her role in the larger story being important. I know this is a vast oversimplification, but I do not have the time for more than that. Play it yourself to find out more. But where are we at with the critics? Oh look, they suck as usual. The praise, the character arcs, and new designs as well as the combat but got stuck on filler in the title. I mean, fuck, I've gone on about this before. Every game has filler and side quests we don't like, but someone did and they needed to justify the now $70 price tag so investors can be happy as these mammoth titles are made by teams of hundreds with their own ideas and deadlines. So in turn, the usual chucklefuck suspects IGN and Polygon or GamesRadar or whatever can not get but hurt and they can't meet their own deadlines of playing fucking video games for a living, then writing about it because they're too worried about whining, dining, and 69ing everyone in the industry to get out of games journalism and into a respectable position, or finally be able to write and polish that novel about their sex editions like they always wanted to. So they gave it generally favorable scores, but also a lot of 10 out of 10s. So they overall liked it, in the words of a wiser man than me, I offer the critics a hearty go-fuck-yourself in consideration of their work. But we're not here to muse on the fickle nature of paid entertainment reporters. I get to give my personal experiences and thoughts on this game. Well, a lot has indeed changed in 20 years. But, it turns out, my love of Final Fantasy, or indeed Final Fantasy VII, has not. I thought I'd left the Japanese-style RPG behind many years ago in favor of the more Western style I could recognize from novels and films. But the king is the king for a reason. The developers of Japan, I have to say, have perfected the concept of fantasy, even while beyond its form of swords swung in defense of the kingdom or royal family, and move into bigger yet more near and dear ideals like justice, friendship, love, and home. We grew complacent, in the fantasies of old British men who were recalling the shell-shock of World War I or the Blitz of World War II. While ignoring the sword and sorcery of the new American model that gave us Conan and Elric, and would eventually lead to Gibson and Stevenson bringing us just as a fantasy, but through the computer age. But Japan didn't. They took it all and perfected it with its own unique twist. And that is all we can ask as a creator, as there is no truly unique or new ideas under the sun, as it is written of in the old book. Final Fantasy VII Remake is not a remake in the literal sense, as we see it so often used today. It is a literal reimagining of the Final Fantasy VII game as a series of what-ifs, asked of the developers and the players. What if the bad guy lived again through time, a dimension, but knew his defeat and wanted to change it? What if fate decreed otherwise? And I do not mean fate in the Greek mythological sense, but more the will of the continuity of the designers and the desire of now a few generations of player not wanting or fearful of change. What if, indeed? Honestly, I loved this game. It was both the old and the new. It was happy memories and new directions I was glad to see. But once again, I am not quite the majority here. Change can be a bastard and not something most people willingly accept and I think that is the thing that upset people who detracted from the experience of the game most. Change. The designers wanting to forge a new path with old material, to create that which is new out of the old, scarred material. Much like how found-item artists create new works of beauty and absurdity out of junk. Can a urinal be art? Who the fuck knows, but we're going for it. Players, as we know too well, demand new experiences and change, but the second they get it, They decry it, that it wasn't what they wanted. As if the designers can reach into their heads and suddenly pluck out the precious, unformed proto memories of the way things should be, when the best they can do is focus groups and questionnaires. So, when it got into the wild that Final Fantasy VII Remake was not a one for one remake of the original, too many people got too hurt and missed the point. All the advice I can offer to the public at large is to calm your collective hemorrhoids down ladies and gentlemen the idea had been to take the old property and make it new again especially when it was a storied entry in an already storied series with too much side crap swirling around it like fetid afterbirth where else could they go had it been a one-for-one remake i'm quite fucking sure people would have bitched up spied of the internet chat rooms and down the other, for some made up cause, because in a world where chaos holds sway and the disaffected proletariat swan about like the bourgeoisie once did, while they affect and change nothing in their own lives and spheres of influence, then complaining about the digital sword man not being the same as we remembered in our wasted youths counts as making your voice known. All for the worse, trust me. I'm not saying you had to like it but you need to shut the fuck up around people who do like it. Not everything is for you, or for me. I just happen to think this one is a win for Square Enix. This is also one of those cases where we can say with all truth of honesty the original is there for you to play and enjoy without interruption. The original and the remake are like two siblings many years apart in age. Yes, they have the same parents, but they are not the same people. And that is perfectly fine. They are not supposed to be or can be. The original recipe is its own thing, and so is the remake. And we can enjoy them both in the same world. People may not like the original. People may not like the remake. I don't fucking know. I can only speak for myself. And I'm happy with both of them. Maybe the biggest takeaway here is that change happens, and we have to accept it. My other takeaway is a warning to all of us as the years have piled on. Telling everyone only what you hate does not make you interesting. Nor does only gushing about that which you love make you interesting. What makes you interesting, and your thoughts and opinions matter, is taking the dichotomy of what you like and what you do not like, and finding a way to make them a reasonable, happy marriage of ideas, with your own unique spin on it, and then being able to communicate it effectively to your audience, no matter the size of that audience much like taking old spare parts and junk and making something new and wonderful and crazy. Or like taking the bones of a worn-out game and using it to make something wholly new while shining a spotlight on what made the original such a landmark. Kind of funny how that works, isn't it? As I said once upon a time in the original review of the original Final Fantasy VII, what a game like this brings to light is the human goal that we must possess a willingness to think outside ourselves and understand There are greater causes that we can affect through altruism and accepting others who may not be like you and may not always agree with you. But together, we are mightier in that united effort. Final Fantasy VII Remake has reminded me that we still need to get there. And after 20 years, that light has not dimmed. We just forget ourselves. Maybe we can break fate and still pull ourselves and our world back from the brink. If you think I'm going too hard into thoughts like this for a video game plot, then you've already lost your own plot, my friend. And a lost plot tells no story. It just leads to emptiness and pointless silence. Thank you for listening. Deleted Saves would like to thank Brad, Keith Gasper, and Masked Llama for being patrons of the show. If you would like to become a patron of the show, please go to patreon.com and check out Deleted Saves podcast. All donations go directly towards maintaining the show itself. Thank you.